Hello and welcome to another episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini, and in this episode, we're going to begin to take a look at dyslexia and its related learning disorders. Dyslexia is probably the single most misunderstood of all disabilities. People who don't have it think that those who do see misspelled words or letters out of order or even that they read backwards. But none of that is really true. People with dyslexia can recognize letters and words, but the problem is the comprehension component of reading is diminished, or in some cases, it's not there at all. New research has shown that there's a specific area of the brain that causes dyslexia, and the hope is that new treatments may be able to come from this discovery. But those treatments are still a long way off, and in the meantime, many children and adults continue to struggle. Added to this is the fact that as of right now, March 2015, as I record this podcast, only 24 states in America recognize dyslexia as a learning disability and have specific treatment protocols for school districts to follow. That means that over half of the school-age children in the United States who have dyslexia are not getting the right kind of help, if they're getting any help at all. Now, dyslexia is the best known of these disorders and causes problems with reading comprehension. There's also dysgraphia, which causes problems with handwriting, and dyscalculia, which causes problems in mathematics comprehension. Now, over the next series of podcasts, we're going to take a closer look at dyslexia and related learning disorders and try to get a better understanding of the causes and the treatments. Before we get started, though, I wanted to find out what it's actually like to live with dyslexia. Fortunately, a friend of ours is willing to talk about her challenges. Elizabeth Dorora is a third-grade elementary school teacher in West Michigan, and she has dyslexia. First off, I'd like to say thank you so much for agreeing to do the podcast. Absolutely. I'm happy to do it. Now, for people who don't have dyslexia, it's difficult to get an idea of the struggle that someone who has it is going through when they're trying to read. You know, some people think that dyslexia means that you see some words backwards or out of sequence, but there's, a, there's really a lot more to it than that. Can you describe for us what the effects of dyslexia are like for you? Well, dyslexia is more about not only the struggle with reading, but the struggle with comprehension. So you can be reading all of it and not be understanding what you're reading. You can be reading it and you can be overwhelmed by everything on the page. Um, things do can be inverted, but it's, it's a combination of all those things. Hmm. So there's never and there's never any real pattern or anything like that. It's just uh, randomness. Yes, dyslexia can be broken up in lots of different ways, and so the way there's not one way for us to say it's like this for every person. Oh, okay. It changes, right? In terms of of a person and, and the individuality that goes along with our personalities. Ah, okay. So there's degrees of severity. Oh, yes. Well, how old were you when you or your parents may have first realized that you had dyslexia? Um, was there a formal diagnosis involved? No. My dad was has always said that he has some very mild um, dyslexia. And then I did all right in school. I was more unfocused when it came to things. And it wasn't until I was in college and had my first semester away that I noticed something was really not right. And I went through some um, academic testing and learned that I had some attention deficit. And with, within that, they said there may be some dyslexia. But since I was so old and had compensated for it that whole time, there was no actual diagnosis of dyslexia. Hmm. How were you able to compensate for it? Uh, lots of different ways. 
when I was overtired, my parents would help me with homework. I was busy performing and in musicals and plays in my middle school and high school days. And so if I came home and I was really tired, I would, my mom would help me. She would help read to me. Or I would read aloud. I would listen to things on tape. I would just kind of do a, a lot of different things to help. I also have been told that just intelligence and uh, problem-solving skills really help people along. Now, over the years, have these problems become easier for you, or have they uh, have they stayed the same? Because there is a perception sometimes, and I know there is a... Uh, there's that famous billboard of Whoopi Goldberg that said overcame dyslexia. But the truth of the matter is you don't actually overcome dyslexia. Right. I think you learn to develop skills, and those the skill sets that you develop over time help you to kind of create your own understanding and your own way of coping. I don't think that anyone overcomes dyslexia or is, quote, cured from dyslexia, but I think as you grow up, you it becomes part of who you are, and this is how I learn, and this is how I read, and this is how I write, and it just becomes part of your your skills for life. Right. So you just learn ways to cope with it and yeah, get along. Okay. Um, what would you say to teachers who may not understand the struggles that dyslexia causes for students, and how should they approach children who are showing some of the symptoms? I think the most important thing to realize is that in my expertise, in my grade levels I've taught from preschool through now third grade, dyslexia is not going to be commonly diagnosed in those early ages. What you need to do is come at reading instruction and writing instruction and even math, math instruction, anything in your classroom, with an open mind, making sure that you're trying lots of different things to get to individual students. Because whether or not there is a formal learning disability, our learning styles differ between every single person. And it's important that you are teaching to a child in the learning style that they are most receptive to. So whether that is a hands-on approach, whether that is multisensory, whether that is auditory, you just need to make sure that you are willing to try and willing to educate yourself in those different learning styles to really meet the needs of your students. Well, one of the things that we hear, though, is that the Orton-Gillingham approach to reading has been promoted as one of the best ways to help kids with dyslexia to read. Now, you've had some initial training in Orton-Gillingham, and you're planning on getting certified as an instructor. What's the difference that makes Orton-Gillingham more successful for dyslexic children? Orton-Gillingham is successful for many, many different children, not only children that struggle with dyslexia, because it is multisensory. Mm-hmm. And by nature, children are not... Uh, sit still and copy things off the board. Uh, They learn from getting their hands dirty, from hands-on tactile learning, and that is what Orton-Gillingham does. It includes writing on different uh, materials, whether it be sewing boards or sandpaper, sand, salt, water, uh, different trays. It uses many different receptors in a child and, and in our brains to teach spelling, reading, writing. How does the multisensory approach actually uh, help out? What are some of the examples of how that works? Well, if we are working on a phonics skill, um, in my classroom, we were, this past week, we're working on meet, ed, ed, 
and the different sounds that that comes out as. So it can be, ED can sound like t, it can sound like ed, it can sound like d. Mm-hmm. And so when we were working with words and examples of, of ed, I had them working on salt trays. So they were practicing writing those words and making those sounds while tracing or writing those words in salt. Mm. I had others doing it on sandpaper. So it's including um, an auditory cue, a spoken cue, and their multisensory, you know, kinesthetic learning cues. So that helps uh, trigger uh, rea- uh, memory then for yes, kids. Yes, and it's and it's three practicing practicing it in three ways at one time. Ah, okay. Now at this point, only twenty four states recognize dyslexia as a learning disability and have specific guidelines on special education approaches for it. In most other states, children with dyslexia are labeled in the category of specific learning disability, and if they get and that seldom means anything more than just a little extra tutoring. How can that impact educating kids with dyslexia? You know, it really depends on how a state or school district or individual school uh, chooses to approach that. Um, depending on what they have in place, it might be perfectly fine. There are also times that it will not be perfectly fine. What we need is we need to have specific people in place that know the various sides of specific learning disabilities, whether it be dyslexia or difficulties with reading or actual learning disabilities with reading. Somebody that knows that. So reading specialists are really those people, the ones that have been trained in many different learning disabilities pertaining to reading. Now, we've heard from other guests on Special Parents Confidential that one of the problems is that since reading recovery, which is currently the only uh, tutoring program in schools that gets Title I funding from the Department of Education, uh, there's a belief, therefore, that it's the only reading program that works. But uh, as has been pointed out, Orton Gillingham seems to be the better program for kids as far as uh, working with dyslexic kids. But it's not accepted by other school districts or states because of uh, the fact that it doesn't get the Title I funding. If you could speak to educators or legislatures of those school districts and states, uh, what would you say about this? Oh, that's such a hard question because I think that as educators we really try to do the best we can with what we have. And it's not always at our level that we can make those decisions. However, I do think Orton-Gillingham is worth looking at. Um, the only problem that I see is that it is more of an intensive, trained program. There needs to be, you know, years of education in it in order to master it. So that might be the fundamental problem with them accepting it. However, I do think it is worth looking into and worth, you know, some professional development on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, of course, always the big problem because of budget cuts and that sort of thing for well, states. Well, time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's perceived that teachers teach because they can't do anything else, and that's very much not true. And right. we need to give teachers um, the resources that they need in order to take extra years of schooling. When you make next to nothing, it's hard to put more money into it mm-hmm. when we don't have time off, when we don't have other things. And, and teachers are supp- are supplementing their incomes during the summer. Right. So to try to go back to school for an intensive is a hard thing to try to figure out. 
Would it make sense for uh, perhaps colleges to consider uh, bringing Orton-Gillingham program or at least some of the instruction methodology into um, teaching environments where where the students are learning how when they're uh, learning how to become a teacher that they get some Orton-Gillingham um, instruction? Yes, and I was blessed enough to have that. Uh, I had a professor who was trained in Orton-Gillingham and who'd actually taken a sabbatical to learn and practice it. And we had the opportunity to learn some of it. And that is how I first was introduced to Orton-Gillingham. So I do think that there are colleges around um, the nation that have started to educate their students on many of the different tools used. And Orton-Gillingham happened to be one we we learned about. Again, it would be a supplemental class, which would just add to course load, and I don't know how that would look across the board. Well, for parents who have kids who are struggling and have either been diagnosed with a dyslexia or if they're wondering if their child does have dyslexia, what kind of advice can you offer them? Be diligent. Make sure that you're fighting for the needs of your student and talk to your classroom teacher. Whether or not your student is in a resource room or in a special education program, also talk to your classroom teacher because a lot of times they can influence some classroom activities, whether it is just having a salt tray available or making sure that you're getting students up to practice certain things and having them move around instead of sitting at their desks or tables. I think also at home, making sure that you are coming at reading as a positive and not a, um, we have to every night do this for 20 minutes. Make sure that it's something that you enjoy as a family. Do read alouds. Children are going to benefit from any sort of reading that happens, whether it is their individual reading or if you're doing it as a family. But as parents, you need to be diligent and fight for the rights of your child and fight for their future, even when they're in the first, second, third, fourth grade. And uh, I've also heard that um, they're taking a new approach. It used to be that uh, as far as reading goes, that uh, uh, teachers were saying only, you know, approved textbooks. But now they're kind of taking a turn with that and saying, if you can get them to read comic books, read comic books. If you can get your child to read coloring books, read that. Just uh, let them read anything they want to read as long as they're reading. Yes, I think that as as education has grown, especially over the last 10 years, we've come to know that all children are not going to like McGuffey readers from the 50s. They are not going to love, um, they're not all going to like Junie B. Jones or what, what have you. What's important is that you find the niche that your child enjoys. And I think it's also important to expose them to lots of different types of literature. So whether it is that mom loves cookbooks and dad loves comic books, make sure to get some biographies in there. Make sure to get some travel books and dictionaries and thesauruses. Kids will figure out what it is they are interested in if we expose them to a lot of different things. Also, take cues from their hobbies. Take cues from conversations with friends, um, from what they like to look at on the computer. It is really important that parents and teachers really take an interest in those tiny things that make children them, to figure out what their hobbies are and to get books about that. If you know that your child has been curious about a bug in the backyard, Google books on that bug, go to the library, check out 10, and just put them out. Children will be roped into something 
and we just have to find what it is. Yeah, the library is a great resource. We use it a lot. Absolutely. And then um, the other thing is with the... You know, one of the aspects of dyslexia, as we mentioned before, is it's a lifelong challenge, and there are adults who are struggling with it as well and may not have had a diagnosis or any help but have just wondered. So as an adult who has dyslexia yourself and now you're a teacher as well, what would you, what would you say to encourage anyone who is struggling with dyslexia? To keep reading and to absolutely get help if you need it. There's no right time to go and and get resources and to get um, help if you need it. If you struggle with reading, whether it's dyslexia or something else, make sure that you are going out and getting the help that you need. And also take some of the cues from what we say about kids. Make sure that you're reading what you're interested in. Don't feel like you have to read the new books on the New York Times bestseller. If you were interested in you know, To Kill a Mockingbird when you were in the seventh grade, read it again. There's no shame in, in rereading. There's, it's something that I really love to do. Just make sure that you keep reading because as long as we read, we improve. That is great. Thank you so much for talking with us, Elizabeth. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to have more episodes about dyslexia and the treatment options that are available. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter or our other social media venues, or sign up for our email newsletters so that you'll know when these new podcasts are available. And that's it for this episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Thanks for listening.